Welcome to the Western North London podcast, where we sit down each and every week to answer your big Arsenal questions. I'm Caleb. And I'm Tim. Tim, it's good to talk to you again. I've, it's been ages since we we were able to do this at the same time. I know. It's amazing how things have been opening up and our schedules have just been, uh, I don't know, just totally different. Yeah. Life is too busy. I miss yeah. simpler times. <laughs> exactly. And I've been picking up a lot more shifts at work, which means that I have a lot less ability and all sorts of fun stuff. So, Yeah. And I'm just tired all the time. <laughs> oh, that too. Life, life is just too hard. I just want to I sit know. around and, and drink and talk about soccer. That's what I want to be doing. I mean, I kind of do that at work. So, <laughs> minus the that sounds like part. a good job. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we're we're back, and for the second week in a row, we've got a positive game to talk about. I know it's 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 much easier to go uh, talk about the positive games than the negative ones. Yeah, I really it's it's hard to get it's, it, it it was it was challenging to get excited about Arsenal for a bit there, and you know I I don't like getting too down. I try to be pretty centered about this stuff, but three losses in a row is 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 going to take its toll, and so it's it's really nice to see this team bouncing back for my mental health yeah. alone. You know, and and three and two pretty big wins with a you know Chelsea and Man U. It's always that's always you know yeah, nice. It's not just you know a Burnley or anything like that. No disrespect to Burnley. No, we can't disrespect the teams that beat us, and <laughs> we have to we have to take we have to take everything in stride here because it's going to some of this stuff can come back and bite us. So, you know, the big, the big wins are only good as long as we can follow them with some small wins too. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, let's, let's not waste any time. Let's get to it. We've got drinks in hand. I haven't even opened mine yet. So why don't you, why don't you start us off while I crack open my beer here? Yeah. So I took a uh, work trip today, which was awesome. So we went around to uh, Skagit Valley, Skagit Valley, and, uh, you know, visited a couple of different breweries there, Had did some errands and things. And uh, one of the breweries we stopped by today was a uh, Garden Path Fermentation. It's a uh, open vessel f- fermenting uh, barrel age type of a brewery. So it's all natural yeast. They call it a native yeast. It's just the, the, the yeast strains that are in the air there in the valley. And yeah, so it's, I haven't had it yet. So let me give it a quick taste. Oh my, it's delicious. Uh, the name of the beer is called The Little Horse Around. And it's a, a farm style, ooh, sour but sweet. It's yeah, that's actually a really tasty beer. Not it's sour but not like mouth puckering sour. Has a nice body. I could definitely drink that. A lot of that. What's the alcohol percentage on that? Does it say? Huh? Does not say any. Okay. 3.9. So very much on the low end of the alcohol scale. Huh. 3.9. That's really light. Yeah. Slighter than most light beers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anywhere above four is what I usually am used to for, because I'll drink some of the lighter beers, but uh, yeah. It's, yeah, no, I highly recommend it. And that's nice. So I won't be like completely wasted by the end of the, the show. 
<laughs> I don't. I, I'm not sure you're going to feel that at all. <laughs> yeah, I'll feel it. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I I tried something the other day. Um, my father-in-law had. It was it was a bud. It was like lighter than Bud Light. It was. Oh gosh, what was it? They've got so it? many. They've got so many variations now. I think it was Bud Light oh, Next. Right. Yes, Bud Light Next. Yes, here it is. Oh, I've never even heard of that. Yeah, zero carbs, eighty calories, four percent. But it it just it tasted like carbonated water. It was like basically it, seltzer water. <laughs> basically, I mean, it had a slight beer taste, but it was so light. It was, it it was like drinking nothing. It, it was so weird. <laughs> so weird. Like, what is the point? I mean, especially it's, not, it's like, not beer anymore. With you, you tend to drink those uh, like things that are pretty hoppy. So, like, that's quite a jump for you. Oh, yeah it it's it sounded like they've been they've been in development on this special beer for. Like it's like the wave of the future. I'm like, this is going the wrong direction. This isn't even beer anymore. That's <laughs> yeah, kind of like my. I know they have a sel- a bud seltzer. You might as well have that, right? Yeah, but then some of those seltzers just taste disgusting to me. So I don't know. There's there's a lot of stuff out there that is not for me. Well, speaking of for you, what are you drinking today? Oh yes, I should talk about my drink. This week I have. A Hot Valley Kraken Stash IPA. It's hmm. a their special edition Kraken beer. Oh, nice. Um. Yeah, it tastes like a Hot Valley IPA. They, I feel like half of their beers kind of taste the same. They yeah. do lots of variations of IPAs, but. They're so, I think I'd have to taste them all side by side to really tell the difference. But when I have a Hop Valley IPA, I I generally know what it's going to be like. Yeah, I don't They do do all right stuff. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily to have consistency. I think, uh, you know, so many breweries nowadays are having like, you know, four or five different IPAs and there's only so much variation you can really do on these, these things. So, yeah, I, so while a couple weeks ago when I was on vacation, I was in Montana and I'm not saying this to disparage Montana. This, I could say this just about, about just pretty much anywhere. I feel like I, it's rare that I am wowed by an IPA anymore. Like I like them. I tend to want to drink them, but I, 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 I feel like I've tried it all. I've, tried the hazy like i I'm, I'm looking for this the the something new that is that is similarly hoppy maybe i'm maybe i'm looking for more of the old i think that they strayed too far from what what i liked about ipas and now i need to get back to some classic classic style ipas or maybe just go back to pales that's what i should do yeah uh, but that's actually uh you know not to get too far down beer talk because I could talk about this for ages, but I mean, that's basically what's happened is all what used to be an IPA is pretty much pale ales now. That's just like the level of hops and the strength and things like that. And that's where I've been really gravitating to if I'm feeling hoppy is just go for a, a nice pale. But I, I think the market itself has just been oversaturated by IPAs 
in general. And at some time point pretty soon, you're going to see a correction where people are just going to stop brewing like six, seven different types of IPAs and explore others. I think Pilsners are going to make a little bit of a comeback. Some of those lighter ales, that sort of thing. I think my problem with it is I used to, I used to be able to order an IPA and know what I was going to get. And now mm-hmm. it's like rolling the dice. Like I, it could be a, a more hazy or, you know, like there's just, there's so many variations of IPAs. Yeah. And I kind of just want to, I just want a run of the mill basic yeah. one. Well, we, we at a menace brew and we did a, a West coast IPA and it was lovely. It was perfect. It was exactly like we kind of modeled it after, I mean, not exactly, but after like a Sierra Nevada, but just a little bit, a little bit more, more on the the hobby side, but that kind of characteristics. And I, I love that IPA. Like it's uh, what my mouth had been craving. Yeah. I think that's where I'm at. It's just the classic West coast IPAs. It, it, it exists. It's just harder, harder to find with, mm-hmm. within all the different variations that are out there now. Yeah, and I think that uh, on the market, if you're not going to breweries, you're not going to see classic West Coast IPAs, because right now the things that you crush through are hazies and juicy, yeah. and that's you know everyone. Like, I've had a customer we don't have a hazy or didn't have a hazy on tap for a little while, and I've had customers leave the brewery because we don't have a hazy. I'm like, we have nine other yeah. wonderful styles of beer, including a normal IPA, but we just didn't have a hazy, and you you just left. Okay. Uh. <laughs> I don't, I'm not, I'm not a beer, beer snob to the point where like I would walk away from beer, you know? <laughs> yeah. But there's beer. I know. Exactly. Try our pale ale. It's basically an IPA. Yeah. People just aren't, aren't educated on the different styles always. They, they fixate on what they like. I'm, yeah. I'm guilty of that. Um, all right. No more <laughs> beer talk. Let's move on. What do you got for your Timbit this week? Well, you know, as I was driving around farm country, and it was definitely farm country, I was just wondering, which Arsenal player do you think would make the best farmer, and what would they farm? Or a person connected to Arsenal it doesn't have to be a player. You know, <clears throat> immediately I thought of Xhaka, and the reason why is like, you know, he's. He, I feel like he has this this inner rage, you know, mm-hmm. he's got this anger that lives inside him. And I feel like at the end of his career, he's not going to, he, he's going to have to come to a place in his life where he has to deal with that rage and he's not going to be able to take it out on the soccer field anymore. So he has, he's going to have to work it out somehow and, and find inner peace. And that's going to be the life of farming. <laughs> what do you think? Says, farm beats beats <laughs> just because you know they're 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 calming and you'll just be in the soil yep yeah digging yeah, yeah I, I just feel it like beet farmer beet farmer <laughs> he has a look of a beet farmer i could see him as a beet farmer i think it's not a player but i think arteta would make a pretty good farmer too just because I think he's he'd be like that scientific type of farmer, the one that like knows exactly how much to produce and like using all the new fertilizers. He he just strikes me as someone who could do it really well. Yes, I I could see his pragmatism and uh, desire to win. To you know, like just that that uh, organizational drive that he has would work well with farming. But man, I. I I feel like 
it would be difficult for him to sit still that long. Like if you had to just sit around in a tractor or, you know, like be that focused, I feel like it would be challenging for him with it, with as much movement as he has on the sidelines and um, just the energy he has. I feel like it would be a difficult transition. Well, maybe he could uh, like, you know, raise chickens on the side too in the farm and he could be running around the chickens, chasing them, put them in the pins and, there you go. Animal farming. That's a whole other. Yeah. That's a whole other aspect I didn't think about. I oh, know you could have like a sheep dog and train the sheep dog to do perfect, like, you know, maneuvers and things like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I could be a farmer. I, I like gardening and small scale stuff, but as a lifestyle, as like getting up early, spending tons of time just in a tractor or out in the fields, I think I, I could do it for a little bit, but as a, as a life life choice is lifestyle i don't know that sounds rough no and plus i kill any living thing i come in contact with like i have a bunch of dead succulents behind me while we're recording this so <laughs> i don't i don't do well with plants that's no good if you're killing the succulents that's yeah that's tough yeah but my wife my wife's the same way there's a graveyard upstairs of things <laughs> that she's she's gotten too too ambitious or I don't know. I don't know what happens. Yeah. I, I turn around and they're dead. I've killed an air plant. So. Oh yeah. I'm not, I'm not like, a, I don't have the biggest green thumb. I try to, I try to stay focused and not, not branch out too much, but, uh, I, I'm, I'm doing all right on like two or three plants. I'm trying hmm. to just keep those alive. Yeah. Well, Speaking of keeping alive, it looks like Arsenal's keeping their season alive. <laughs> Was that a good transition? Hey, that's a great transition. With that win over uh, with over with Man United, what's your what's your initial thoughts on the game? I I'm just pumped about this team again. I I I, I think we we can both agree that we're pretty pretty down, pretty sad about the way things were going, and it's hard. It's it, I I think the the challenge is when you. You know, we had our we had our sights set on Champions League, and I think everybody was feeling like it was it was a I wouldn't say a, a foregone conclusion, but you know, it, it was it was going strongly in that direction, and I, I think it was good it was good in a way to have the bottom fall out a little bit. It was a reminder that nothing is set in stone, and I think it's good to shake up the players a little bit if you're. Uh, talking about a young team, they had to they had they had to learn some lessons there, and there was also some things that Arteta had to learn about this team and try to figure out how to move forward without some key pieces. And I would say that in the last last two games, he has found a way to get this team moving in the right direction again and utilize the the tools he has available. And it's it's a learning experience for him as well. So I think as a team, they came out the other side and hopefully have grown a little bit stronger and and have the confidence to see this season out in in a in a big way. Because ever everything now is is you know it was it was super important before, but then you kind of chipped away at any any sort of. Um, leeway that we had to to drop points so now now everything is a must-win game and so the the margin of error has been whittled away 
So it, it's nice to come come to these games that I thought were going to be the more difficult, two of the more difficult games in the the run in, and to come out with victories. I I don't I I did not expect that really. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely you know going into these games, these last two games, would have thought you know one point if we're lucky was kind of my my general feeling about it, especially coming off of some of those losses. Uh, but it, I think it's a, it's one of these times too, where I'm really trying to remind myself not to get too low when it's low and not too high when it's high. I'm, I feel like we've already met the stretch goals for my season this time, which is we're competitive for Europe late in the season. I think if we roll back the tapes, that's kind of what I said, I'd be pretty happy with as a season. And so I'm, that's where I'm, you know, just happy to be at. And this, these last two games, it's been, it's nice. And it's nice to beat Man U. It really just, I know they're not the Man U of old or, or, or things like that. And they're, they definitely have their own frailties. Uh, but it's, you know, it's still a team that you want to beat in more than other teams. I th- I feel like I think it's a, it's a good feeling. It's a good, you know, measuring stick that we, you know, we aren't falling behind at least Man U. Yeah, it, it is interesting to see where they're at right now. And, you know, when you take stock of, of where these these teams have been and where they're going, I think uh, going into this game, uh, I think it was the the beginning of, of the, the Man U game, Lee Dixon was, was on, on commentary and he was saying, you, you just don't know what you'll get from these teams. And... Uh, when I thought about that, it's it's for very different reasons, but we've we've been on both sides of that in recent years. You know, when you're looking at where Man U is right now, you look at where what the team is on paper, you look at how much they've spent on all these players, and to say that you don't know what you're gonna get is an indictment of the entire system. And Arsenal has been there. You know, you look at some of the the players we've had, you look at some of the, the talent and the money that was spent and with the amount of inconsistency and just general unrest behind the scenes, you didn't you didn't know what you were going to get week in, week out. And when you're trying to be in the mix for the top four, when you're trying to build build a consistent team and and you know if you're putting serious money into to building a group of talented players you can't have that inconsistency you have to have uh you have to have some sort of roadmap on where you are and where you're going and and i think that when you look at where where man u is and where arsenal are right now they they're they're going in opposite directions and we've we've been where man u is and now we're we're kind of We've made that course correction. We, Arteta identified that things were going the wrong direction and realized that it, it is a cultural thing and the overall team building exercise. You have to look at what, what you have and what you're trying to do and, and t- sometimes tear things down to the ground and, and build it up the way you want it to be. And it's crazy to think that with all the talent that Manu has that they are in that position, but... I think that they they recognize that things have to change, and that's they're you know they're going 
going after a big coach. They got Ten Hag in there as their future coach. They've and and I think he's going to demand quite a bit from the players that he decides to keep. And I think he's going to probably call quite a bit from that group of of high earners who are just not living up to their what they should be um, on paper, at least. And uh, I, I I see them kind of following in our footsteps in a, in a weird way and in, in trying to rebuild everything from the ground up and and uh, reset the culture there. Yeah, and it's 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 it is a nice kind of foil to see Arsenal that uh you know we we are growing and we are moving forward. It's you know just even in the you know time we've had this podcast seeing the 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 depths of the Emery era and to see the growing pains of the the uh, Arteta era into kind of a a, a movement forward and a, a plan and you can c- kind of look over your shoulder and see what Man U is doing and realize that you know there's a lot to be positive about this team and you know if we go through another tough time like kind of the previous weeks to just kind of you know take it inside and remember where we were then that's a a, a good foil I think. And it's a good reminder that all the money in the world does not get you a good team. You have to have some uh, some intention behind it, some planning to make sure that you're getting players that work well with each other, to make sure you're um, developing young players. And uh, Man U just looks like they kind of hit the end of their rope. Like Even with all the talent that they have there, uh, it it uh, it didn't seem to matter what coach you put into place. There was just things that were underlying that are continue to bo- uh, be a problem there. So it's it is it is interesting to see that from um, an outside perspective and to recognize that that's some place that Arsenal has been not too long ago. And and hopefully we're out of those woods for a while and we're we feels like we're moving in a better direction. So um, it's it's good to be able to recognize that we've been there and done that and now we're gonna hopefully turn the corner a bit after this season yeah i mean i think we're already turning the corner i think we've turned the corner really to be honest i think we're definitely a better team than we were last year and the year before and i think as long as we continue to be improving i think that's the most important part of the of the team yeah i keep having to remind myself that we are ahead of schedule it yeah. just I take for granted how quickly things have turned around, but it wasn't it was only last season where things were looking pretty pretty grim. You know, I I, I don't want to say that Arteta was taking things in the wrong direction. It just wasn't quite working quite yet. And so I think that we're getting getting the right players has really been the right the, the key move. And I think that the pressure's gonna be on to continue to build on that. And uh, you know, making Champions League would would be a huge step in, in getting the right players in, but I think they still have to make good decisions if they can't, if they don't make champions league and they, and they have to um, maybe take their second or third choice players, you know, there's some players that won't, won't, won't play for us, of course, if we're not in champions league, but uh, it, it really comes down to getting the right people. And I think that this, this team has really shown that you can um, find some underdogs, find some, um, under the radar players and really build a great team. And, and that, uh, this youth movement is really, it's, it's paying dividends. And I, I think that the inconsistency we see from 
menu right now is is the sad sort of inconsistency because it is it flies in the face of the talent that they have whereas when you look in the in arsenal's direction it's it's the inconsistency that comes with youth and development and that's kind of more of a positive thing in my mind mm-hmm. you're you're looking at players that are inconsistent because they're learning every week and so those those three losses are are gonna happen you hope that they're spread out throughout the season a little bit more but those those are the sorts of things you can expect from a team that's you know average age in their early 20s and um you can chalk that that experience up to something that's going to pay off later later on down the road and so that that sort of inconsistency is actually something we can feel positive about even though it it has some short-term pain it, it will pay off at some point when we get to these um when we get to the point where we can find consistency, they have just so much more to to um, tap into as far as their past experiences and the the team building that they've gone through this season. Definitely, and you know, getting back to the uh, the the game specifically, where what do you think of the lineup? What do you think of how we uh, we we set out? Well, I like I said, I think Arteta has really tapped into um, what works really pretty well with uh the the tools that he has at his disposal um i think in, in the pre-game they were they were showing arsenal lined up as a 4-3-3 which is somewhat true it, they they tend to shift around but um you know you could easily call that a 4-2-3-1 as well it just kind of uh depends on where odegaard's popping up at but uh I, I really I have to hand it to El Nani and Jaka. I felt like I feel like the past couple games they've been really fantastic and and um I wouldn't say that they've uh made me forget about party by any means, but uh they've done enough to be a solid midfield pairing and it I, I do think that they of of the players that we have available in that midfield, they are they bring out the best in each other and uh, it it is a testament to El Nani that he is able to just come in and be such a solid player for this team over and over again. And he, he hasn't really played much this season, but when he gets the opportunities, he doesn't skip a beat. I mean, he just he's come in and and uh, been really solid. So good to see him getting more minutes there again this week. Uh, Cedric coming in. Uh, and white moving back into the uh, center back position uh, was the only other change in this game. And uh, you know, I, I Cedric still leaves a bit to be desired for me, but he, he's most of the time does enough to justify his, his role there. And um, it was, it, uh, it was nice to get a little Tomiyasu cameo at the end of this game. It, it speaks to, him getting back into the lineup sooner than later, which is great news. And so I'm uh, glad that maybe we've seen the end of Suarez at the left back or right back position for the time being, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see how Tommy has uh, responds. And if he's really back to a hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that Tommy is going to be coming back quick, but uh 
it, these things always, you know, take longer than I think we as fans would desire. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think overall the lineup, I, I really did enjoy seeing El Nenny and the way he performed. And it's funny because the El Nenny Jaca duo is the one we kind of have had for quite some time now and has been, you know, felt uninspiring before, but now coming in with out of necessity has definitely been working for me, or at least this game. Yeah, I'd like to see Lakonga get minutes when he can, but as far as what our best best available midfield looks like, I think you have to rely rely on Elneny to bring that stability and, and see this season out and uh we'll we'll let Lakonga get his minutes later on down the line because I, I think we just have to rely on the experience that Elneny brings and and he's he he just he does enough on both sides of the ball i think you can just expect him to be solid in that position and that's that's what we absolutely need right there yeah solid and giving a platform for the you know the players much further forward to to excel yeah absolutely um yeah and i think in kedia getting uh another start is is a positive sign for him. I think he, you know, he would have had a goal in this game if not for a, just a fractional offside call. But uh, he, he again looked pretty, pretty good, pretty solid. And I think he, he continues to um, just be a, a breath of fresh air as far as what we can get out of that striker position. Um, but, you know, I, I'd like to see, like to see him contribute as much as he possibly can and just continue to if he's not scoring at least keep keep def, uh, defenses honest yeah i think uh with Enkadia, for me it's less about him doing so well because i feel like we're getting about the same Enkadia that we've always had in some ways but i think what it would Enkedia in kennedy Enkedia shows us <laughs> is that uh what can happen if we have an actual kind of out and out fox in the box type of striker in on the field, as opposed to kind of the, the striker positions that uh, uh, Lacazette pick, takes up, which Lacazette's almost like a false nine, false striker type of, of player. And I think he's getting his chances and scoring his chances more because of his role in the system and how the system has evolved than in him getting kind of an uptick in, in, uh, form. Well, I think he's playing, it's certainly playing with a bit more confidence after that Chelsea game. And, uh, you know, I think given more opportunities and, and, uh, more time to acclimate to the way this team is playing, I think he's going to continue to be effective through the rest of this season. But, I think there was a uh, the quit. You know, it continues to be a question of whether this team would need him going forward. Whether he'd get offered another contract, and I don't really see that. I don't see anything that he's doing um, being uh, a revelation as far as what he is capable of. I think we we know very well what he's capable of, and uh, I'm not seeing anything that's like he. That, that says he's made some 
weep all of a sudden. We know he's he he can score goals. We know he can do this sort of thing. It's just the that level of consistency is brought out when he gets minutes. So I think that uh, continuing to keep him in the lineup for the rest of the season is is for the best. If we if he continues to um, stay involved and 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 uh, keep Lacazette on the bench, I just think it's it, he he just brings a little bit more energy that this team needs up front, and that's. Uh, that's more than we were getting from Lacazette, for sure. Yeah, and and again, not to disparage Lacazette and the job that he has been doing as well. I just think uh, I, I'm excited to see when we bring in a new striker, someone who plays a different type of game and how that fits into our system. And I think that might be one of the more uh, achievable things in this transfer window to, to, to really affect the team and how they play. Absolutely. Um, I wasn't sure what to make of the other side of things with the lineup that Man United put out. Obviously, Ronaldo coming back was a big deal for them, and Maguire getting benched was also a big, big change. But otherwise, I, you know, they've been kind of crap across the board, so I wasn't sure what we were going to get from them. But it, it was it was about what I expected. Ronaldo is still their talisman and and can make something out of nothing, and that proved to be true. And uh, everybody else was was pretty garbage. Yeah, I mean, I was talking to a, a Man U fan the day after the game, and he was just very kind of not. He wasn't even that mad about it. He was just resigned to it, and he was just. I think it's a very bad sign for that team that they're so reliant on an aging Ronaldo. This isn't, you know, by far the best version of Ronaldo and he's still their leading scorer and their talisman. And they, they almost need to move on from that to, to, to move on as a team. And again, we say this as a foil to Arsenal. We've, we've had been in that position before. And so it's nice to, to know that we aren't in, in that same exact position. Yeah, definitely. I, I you can't you can't count out Ronaldo. I'm sure he is going to play beyond well beyond where he is, you know, where, where any other player would would start falling off. But he um, he can't be the player that they build the team around going forward. I just can't see that. Um, so I'm curious how that's going to play out under a new coach and uh, as they look to rebuild next season. I mean. This isn't a Man U podcast, but I know that Den, ha- Den Hogg has been kind of on the record saying he, Ronaldo's the first player he's going to get rid of, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> so. Good. Good for him. Um, I don't know what Ronaldo will do, but it, it'll be interesting no matter what. Probably the MLS. Probably. Yeah. I can see it. Yep. Um, let's, let's, let's talk about the, the game, the goals. Uh, it's it started off pretty quick. Uh, what what did you uh, what did you make of the the first the first goal for Arsenal? It it was I, I wasn't quite ready for it. 
I was so not ready for it. I kind of, you know, was just getting settled in. I watched the replay, but I, you know, had stayed away from my phone and social media. I was getting settled in, having my, uh, I drink Diet Coke in the morning because I'm a horrible person. And uh, <laughs> so I was having my uh, morning caffeine dose and yeah, the goal was in. And I'm, I was, I'm just, I ha- I've gotten used to Arsenal not really starting off quickly. And uh-huh. it was, it was, it was, it was nice. It was great. I thought it was a well-worked goal. I liked the cross in. I thought it was great. And, you know, it really just helped us, you know, really take initiative in the game and start with the right foot forward. So, yeah, I was very happy with that. And, you know, Tavares is, feels like a very unlikely scorer. But, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take goals coming from anywhere. I think we should talk about Tavares now. Just get it out of the way, okay? Because the, he is—he uh, pretty much encapsulates the the inconsistency of youth that this team has. Um, when you're talking about, uh, you know, his first goal for Arsenal—that's fantastic. But he also seems to be culpable for a goal pretty much every game he's involved in, and this game was was no different. I would say maybe he's culpable for like a, a goal and a half in this game um, because well it, it uh, we'll, we'll call the the Ronaldo goal he was definitely caught on the wrong side of the ball yet again and didn't, maybe just didn't do quite enough to put Ronaldo off which I will say is not not easy for anybody and he wasn't the only player that got caught there because Gabriel was also involved in that, but then also gave away a penalty by throwing his arm into the air while, while jumping for a header. And it's, it's that kind of stuff that normally would drive me crazy. But then he also does, he scores a goal in this game or sets up in Kedia in the last game with a, a nice assist. And so he, I, I do not know what to make of this player. I love love him and hate him. I, I don't even <laughs> say hate. It's just he, he kind of drives me crazy, but in a, I still feel positively about him, which is weird. That I mean, that's weird for me because I don't have the same positivity. I'm I'm glad he scored, <laughs> but yeah. I think he he's he's very lucky that we did win this game, and he's very lucky that he scored because otherwise his performance was pretty poor for the rest of the game uh and it's it is one of those things where you can see the flashes are brilliant of why we signed him and why he keeps on getting minutes but he needs to string along those flashes of brilliance so that they make a complete game and he's just not at that kind of for me at least complete game and he's not at that as a, a stalwart defender i don't when i see him on the field i'm like oh i don't think oh that side's locked down and we're good you know, not the same right. way I do with like Tommy Asu. Right. And uh, I, it's, it's a, you know, if I was a coach for an opposing team, he would be one of the first players I circle is this is a weak, weak point of the team. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's what Crystal Palace did is circled that flank. And we're like, this is a, a spot we can definitely get joy out of. Yeah. But he feels, I think the reason I feel positive about him is because when he is doing something good, when he is going forward, you see the sparks, you see the glimpses of, of, um, a better player there. And I feel like he just needs to be, uh, 
polished. You know, it's it's he's a very rough uh, product at this point. And I don't, you know, I I think all things being equal, he would not be starting for this team. Uh, but be, because he is, he's getting thrust into this spotlight and, and uh, he's getting looked at under a microscope because he's being compared to uh, Kieran Tierney. And um, it's especially difficult because we have other absences like Party and Tomiyasu and things that are kind of detracting from the team in general. So when you're uh, struggling overall, when you have a, a string of bad games, it's going to make his, his mistakes all the more glaring. And so when you get into these games where he's, um, we're, we're still winning and he's, he's making mistakes, but also scoring goals and getting assists. It's like it balances out a little bit more and you can kind of see where things could go with him. But He's not necessarily somebody I would rely on as like a a starter uh, if if I had a better option available. So I I, I am glad he's around. I'm glad he is the, it, simply because we didn't have that option with Tierney before. I mean we mm-hmm. had we had Jaka playing that position, and that's definitely not what I want. So I I will take the good with the bad for now and hope that we can push past it through the rest of the season. Um, but I'm not clamoring for Xhaka to slide back there. Um, <laughs> I've heard people say, well, if Tommy Asu's back, we should swap Tavares out somehow. And I don't know. I don't want to see Cedric go over on that side necessarily. I don't think that's a positive thing. Cause I think that just kills any, um, any push forward on that flank. He just, yeah. Cedric just can't do that. Um, the only other thought I would have would be to keep Cedric in on the right and then see if Tommy Asu could play as a, as a left back because he's uh, two-footed, so it's possible he could do that. Um, but what like the chaos, the the offensive side of things, I, I do appreciate what Tavares can bring, and uh, he just doesn't quite have that finishing pro- that finished product yet. So I have. I, I hope that he's able to find some refinement with Arsenal before his his time is up here because I think he could he could be something f- even more fun to watch if he gets that a little bit more development. Yeah, and you know if he's getting the development and we're still winning, I think it's 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 not necessarily a a, a bad thing. And you know his goal was well taken, and it, it, yeah, and 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 you know getting back to that goal that was just a, a fun good Arsenal goal. It was just a you know a great work by the whole team to get it through. But man, that back line of United looked pretty, pretty bad. The yeah. fact that the ball went all the way through and to, to just, uh, I think a bewildered Saka who <laughs> was surprised <laughs> that the ball ended up at his feet. Yeah. Cause he was just standing on the other side of the box after it went past two United players. And that was, uh, it, it was pretty fluky that we were able to score that goal at all. Yeah, I mean that that the United's defense did not cover this themselves in glory this entire game, and we I'm I'm quite thankful for that. And you know, other games going forward, we probably aren't going to be as lucky to play against that type of <laughs> defense. Right. Yeah, definitely and, not. And it's kind of funny because it's fairly true of what happened in uh, the Chelsea game as well. So I don't know. Maybe it's also that our players are so good that we're freezing defenses. 
<laughs> it just being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the the next big action was the the almost in Kedia goal, which uh, man, I I thought for sure it was going to be in, yeah, or, or was a goal when when Enkedia scored, and uh, it it was not meant to be. As VAR immediately stepped in to to call things back, and um, I think as, as soon as as soon as everybody took a moment to to see the replay. It was it was hard, hard to miss the uh, pretty blatant foul. What I would say was a pretty blatant foul on Saka, but clearly VAR VAR had to be involved to make the decision. But uh, what 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 was your thought on that that play and how that that played out with the, the review? Yeah, I mean. It, it's getting to the point. I know this is slightly, uh, you know, uh, tinted with uh, what happened with the Sounders game very recently. Is I'm just, I'm I'm not sure if VAR for me is getting more clarity in the game. And I know we talk about this a bit, and I guess because we have to. So I, <laughs> it I, I don't all know. the time. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if the game is better off if we were getting the right calls with VAR being involved. It, it just feels like the, the clear and obvious thing has, is it's just, it, it's such a dumb level of, uh, I, I just, I, I don't understand that phrase. I don't understand how it's applied. I don't understand, um, why things need to be dissected to, or, four or five minutes it's like if it's not if it's not obvious we just move on and let things stand and that mm-hmm. that that initial goal from Enkedia probably should have just stood and and um you know the result would have been the same <laughs> but uh instead we have a, a long deliberation over the the offside and and then the subsequent um foul in the same play and I'm glad that the, they got it right and that this went in our favor, but we've seen it go wrong so many times. And I, I would even say like the goal, the almost goal from Ronaldo later in the game where he, uh, he was uh, called off- offside on, uh, after a VAR review as well. And it was, it was inches. It was less than an inch. It was so close. And mm-hmm. I would say, yeah, he was offside, but if that was, if that was us, I'd feel pretty annoyed by it too because it's like you're you're drawing these t- tiny tiny lines and it's like if you can't see it in the run of play if you can't see it with your naked eye from a uh, line judge's perspective what are we doing i mean it's just it, it's not adding to the game it's yeah. it's adding extra deliberation and extra things that are drawing the game out and not adding to the drama in a positive way yeah, I mean, it's like I, I, I think sometimes common sense has to kind of overrule. And like, as you said, like this whole thing where, you know, it took forever for them to rule it off sides, then rule the foul. If just give keep the goal, you know, like there's I don't I don't like I don't understand why we have to go through this whole rigmarole and, you know, and with getting to the Ronaldo thing and the offsides in general, I, it, it's we we put all this faith in 
these lines, but you know, it's actually probably a fairly arbitrary. We don't have sensors in the ball to tell exactly when they've been kicked, right? You're just freeze framing it, trying to guess. And, you know, with those calls that are, you know, inches, a frame or two either way can make a huge difference. And I don't know if we can tell for certain whether the ball has been kicked in that frame or not, you know? And anytime you're doing a single frame, it's just, it's, it's, I don't know. It, I don't think it tells the whole story. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that is, uh, that is something you could say over and over again, that these, um, the, these moments that are, are happening and, and being frozen are, I don't know, take, taking some of the context out of the motion, you know, it's, it's things that are completely different in, in the normal speed of things uh, are dissected in, in an unnatural way when you're looking at it in, in super slow motion. And it's like, that is uh, sometimes to the benefit. And, but I would say most of the time it's not. And what I think should be done more often is allow a, not necessarily slow things down, but go a, a pause play, give the referee a chance to go to the sideline without any input from anybody else, but give him a, an opportunity to see multiple angles at normal speed and just let him work through that process on his own, but give him the opportunity to see things that he couldn't see but stop with this super slow motion. Um, stop making decisions before the referee even gets there. I mean, just I, I don't, I don't like the whole process, and I think it is, uh, it is confusing. It is, it 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 takes away from the role of the referee. It, uh, it it there's just so many things wrong with it, and and I don't know who's getting it right. I, I think everybody gets it wrong at some point, but uh, I, I think there has to be you have to take a step back and, and, and find a way to kind of bring some more natural views back to it, because I think it it makes it feel really artificial with all these extra lines that we're drawing in and the super slow mos And it's just it's nowhere close to what the, the actual state of the game is. Well, I just, you know, I just think back to we've had a chance to kind of contrast when we were in the group stage of the uh, Europa League games without VAR again. And I don't think my enjoyment of the game has was better when we were playing games with a VAR than when we were playing games without a VAR. And I think in some ways I, I was on record as saying as I enjoyed it because the flow of the game just flowed so much smoother. We didn't have five-minute breaks. We didn't have that pause after now I've gotten so used to pausing after every single goal and not being excited until they kick off because they're going to find some, if it's not offsides, they're going to find some weird foul, you know, somewhere away from the ball that they're going to call back the goal or, or, or something like that where, so it, I don't know. It's definitely, I don't think adding things. And I think there should be a very serious discussion of just kind of walking things back. Yeah, I agree. Um, but it's nice that this went in our favor for once. <laughs> it feels like we've gotten <laughs> some things going for us, which is good. 
Um, my maybe my favorite part of this whole uh, sequence was Arteta's reaction on the sidelines, and as the as as Pawson was was coming to take a look at things, he's Arteta's just gesturing and getting in his face and riling up the crowd and yeah um i was saying to somebody it might have been jonathan um i think arteta has just he, he's tapped into something he's just a lot he does not care anymore about what these referees think he does he's they have no power over him any longer because he has seen through all the bs and realizes that they're None of this makes sense. It's it doesn't matter what they say. It is it is arbitrary and it, it doesn't. There is no truth in it. So you might as well just game it up. You know, just get the crowd involved. Just get in their face. Just it. it, it all these uh, pundits that were uh, saying Arteta was disgraceful for his his actions on the sidelines during the sequence. Just like. Who cares? Are are you serious in in defending these referees for this joke of a system? The, Arteta sees through it. Yeah. I mean, he's seen the worst of it throughout this whole season, throughout multiple seasons. He's been on the wrong side of it, and I think he just sees it for the joke that it is, and he's just going to do what he wants. And I I admire him for it. I don't care that it, he looks silly or might look uh, distasteful. It, who it, it it is it is something that should be laughed at and, and and it is a joke and I think that he he should do everything in his power to sway the referee because that's what it really comes down to it's it doesn't matter what the truth is it's kind of just about whatever call they decide to make at the end of the day so he might as well get in their face and and try to get things to go our way because that's that's what matters at the end of the day yeah I mean and. You know, the the whole like uh, pearl clutching, uh, I don't know, uh, decorum, you know, if people should act a certain way. Like, I don't know. I'm 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 generally pretty s- just skeptical. I don't know if it's the right word, but I just I, it doesn't bother me, you know, when coaches or players, you know, act a certain way as if, like you know, like being passionate as long as they're not like physically abusing or or doing something like actually truly wrong, but you know, just gesticulating, making your, 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 your opinion known doing, it reminded me a lot actually of a uh, Simeone actually and how he acts on the, on the sideline. And I, I think most people think that that's a, a good thing. It's, it's, it's part of coaching these days. It's being a coach is about, you know, managing the crowd as well as the players and using it to your advantage. Yeah, I think it is, it is the the people that are seeing Arsenal have success and are bothered by it are going to look to whatever little thing they can to try to distract and uh, degrade the team and the coach. And so I feel like if, if they're talking about Arteta in this way, then he's doing something right. So he should just keep going and... Um, if we're if we're finding success, then that's just going to rub more and more people the wrong way. I think it seems to be the way it goes with with Arsenal, and so we're going to hear more and more of that. And uh, you know, uh, Wenger rubbed people the wrong way for for the some of the same reasons. He he was intimidating on the sidelines. He referees did not not like him, <laughs> and so 
sometimes he would be on the wrong side of those those referees and that's okay you know that that doesn't mean you're not successful it doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong um if people are talking about you a lot of times that means you're doing something right so i think he's arteta's on the right track and i i don't i don't i don't care what he's doing on the sidelines he can run up and down he can do whatever needs to be done as long as Arsenal are, are succeeding. Exactly. And that's, uh, you know, at the end of the day where it really comes down is that, you know, he's going to be judged on the results on the field more than anything that happens on the sideline. And it's funny because I think, uh, you know, Klopp, you know, does a lot of the same things as well. And people tend to give Klopp a, a, a free pass. And I don't know. I think, you know, the British media just is in love with Klopp. So they uh, they tend to... Uh, put away things that he does as mischievous, whereas, you know, if other managers do it, including Arteta, they tend to be uh, put as this, like, you know, woe is me moment. Yeah. I hope once, you know, Arsenal are finding consistent success, once we've made the Champions League, once we've started vying for the, the Premier League title, once we've, you know, He's he's already won in our uh, won a FA Cup, so it's not like he has not established himself as a successful coach. But I, I I hope that at some point Arteta starts earning that same level of respect from people that Klopp has. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. It's a, a lot of this is like media perception, and you know, the English media is a very interesting they have an interesting way of reporting especially for soccer it tends to be an old boys club and emphasis on boys and it tends to be uh you know there's a certain way of doing things and it's you know foreign managers especially you know kind of more latin or 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 more uh mediterranean managers or managers essentially who aren't white (laughs) get judged in a very different way i think and uh than you know English managers and then you know other 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 things like that. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets portrayed in in the media going forward. But yeah, I I hope he he gets he gets what he's what he's due at some point here. But we'll see. Yeah, uh, Ronaldo, you can't count count the man out. You can't leave him open even for a split second. And that was proven to be true in the 33rd minute. Uh, like I said before, Gabriel and, and Tavares both got caught. Uh, I don't, I, it is, he is a difficult man to, to pin down. So I, I don't blame them. You know, it, it is, if anybody's going to run by you, if anybody's going to just poke a foot out and, and score a goal, it's going to be Ronaldo. So it, it's not like, uh, it's not like, I, I fully condemn their behavior. Yeah. You know, I think they 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 did what they could, but it, it is difficult to stop the man. But uh, he is able to make something out of nothing. But it was it was a really pinpoint pass, and he he found just enough space to make something out of it. So uh, all credit to him, and uh, I'm I'm just glad that's all all they were able to put together in this game. Really. Yeah, I mean, I think. It could have been a lot worse. It's 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 nice facing a, a team that is just so heavily reliant on one player for goals because, you know, if that player just score just scores one goal a game, you can usually, if that's their only source of goals, you can usually, you know, survive that and, uh, and uh, get salvage something out of that game. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, we we spoke out about it a little bit earlier. Tavares could have done better. I, I mean, I think leaving Ronaldo open is never never a good thing. And I understand it's easier said than done. But I think yeah, you would be focusing on that as a team in practice beforehand. And that would have been the message from Arteta is that this is Ronaldo, one of the best players to ever play the game. Make sure he, you don't give him opportunities because he will take them. And he was given an opportunity and he took it. Yep. So we can move on from that because <laughs> that that was that is what it is. But uh uh United had another opportunity to score <laughs> not uh well later later in the second half here I guess it was. Uh this was another Tavares special as I mentioned earlier. This is the the penalty he gave up and uh he was attempting to play defense but also throwing his his arm into the mix in the um an inopportune area you definitely don't want to be doing that in the box and uh another another review brought about a penalty for united and uh i was i was quite surprised ronaldo didn't step up and take this apparently he was good enough to play in the game but not mentally ready to take a penalty so it it fell to bruno fernandez and this this whole this whole thing was pretty pretty hilarious to me uh what did what did you make of his his uh yeah we'll just call it an, an attempt an attempt was yeah. made what did hey, you, it's a horrible penalty what did you think of it <laughs> and uh anytime yeah. someone makes a run up like that it, it, i know it's nowadays kind of the modern thing to do because it always kind of gets close to you know being able to stop and make the keeper uh move before you strike the ball type of thing but it, it always makes me glad when they end up missing that shot because it's I don't, and maybe that's just me being a, a a party pooper, but it just that 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 type of run up annoys me. So <laughs> seeing him miss it, that definitely you know beyond the fact that a player missed a penalty against Arsenal, seeing a player miss in that fashion was a always nice. I think the best the best part of this really was Ramsdale's celebration, like he'd he'd blocked it himself, <laughs> like he he. He jumped into the face of Fernandez. Yeah. Basically, just it was a it was a power celebration, um, and and I, I just I gotta love the the passion that Ramsdale pulls out at, at every opportunity, especially when it comes to some gamesmanship here yeah. and there. I mean, I I wasn't able to talk about it last week because I was out in the woods, but uh, you know, I I love the his celebration after the uh, the 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 Chelsea game where uh, he was clapping the, uh, the Chelsea fans as he was leaving. There's, I, I didn't realize how much we needed Ramsdale until we've had a day to day Ramsdale. And I'm like, it's so obvious to me. Like I, I can't imagine this team without Ramsdale at this point. Yeah. I, he just, he's, he's a little crazy. He's, he's emotional. He's, uh, he's passionate on both sides of the ball. I mean, he's cheering for every goal. Like he scored it himself and, and this is a great example of, um, yeah, just the the le- the <laughs> the level of shithousery he was able to to produce <laughs> to you know to get in players' heads to make sure that they know <laughs> where things stand. I I just I loved every every second of that celebration that he had. 
Yeah, it's uh, I I mean, I don't think it was going over the top. It wasn't like Ray Parlor in back in the day or anything like that. But uh, it, it it I don't know. It's I I think you need a player like that. You need a a spark plug, and you know, it's not necessarily a captain, but it's a, it's something that gives emotion to the team. And I think Lacazette plays that a little bit as well, but just giving, making the players, other players realize that this is, you know, more than just formalities, that this is a game that it matters and that it's, 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 it can be fun and it can be exciting. I think that, that sort of thing spreads to the rest of the team. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's, he, he, he's got that infectious personality and, and that, like you said, that, that permeates the the back line and, and going forward, I think everybody feeds off of that. So it's a posi- it's a positive thing in my mind to have that sort of personality and, and we need we need a, a couple of those guys in the team to really get the get the players focused and um just get that energy going. Yeah. And you know, it's it's I know he's not necessarily a fan favorite of everybody, but Jaka has that ability too. He can uh, he definitely adds a little bit of fire to the team and uh, and so yeah. But you know, having Ramsdale do is is great. Also, seeing a missed penalty is always fun because we get so many penalties called for uh, against us that it's it's nice for a player to miss them every once in a while. Yeah, I just love the the look of agony on on Fernandez's face as he missed <laughs> that. It's yeah, it's delightful. I mean, I think it's um, pretty emblematic of that whole team in general right now. Oh, definitely. But as we said, you cannot count this team. You you couldn't count out Man United at at two one. There's always that Ronaldo factor. There's always, mm-hmm. um, you know, the multiple players they can pull off the bench. We they had uh, 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 Rashford and Lingard come in. In, in the seventy seventh minute, so uh, not too not too long after that uh, that penalty miss, they were still throwing throwing players out of there to try to get that that tying goal. Um, no, I should say that they came on after our third goal, but you know they they just they have a lot of tools on their bench. They had. Uh, players that can make you pay in, in a short amount of time, like Ronaldo. So it was really important that we go and find that third goal. And it came from an unexpected, unexpected place, I would say, <laughs> um, or just, it, I, I, I was not expecting it by any means the way that it came about. And, uh, I think in the, in the build up to the, the Jaka goal, there was some sort of shout for handball, I think, as the ball was kind of pinging around the box. And it rolled out to Elneny, who I think teed up the, the shot for Xhaka. And man, you, you love to see those rockets. And for some reason, that seems to be the, the Xhaka special. It hasn't come about this season until this game, but he just has these rockets that come out of nowhere. And, uh, this, this one had zero spin on it. It was just a beautiful line drive shot and, and De Gea had, had no, no visual on it until far too late. So I, those are the speed of it just catches everybody off guard. And I was just shocked to see it go in. I, I sat up, I, I was watching this game in, in 
in bed because it was early, early. So I, I came, I came down to to our guest room and I was watching, (laughs) (laughs) I was watching it in bed and, uh, the, uh, that that one that one really woke me up yeah, definitely and i believe uh it is what is classified as a banger that was just a a great shot yes. and it is something and we've we've talked about this before which is that Jaco, when he plays for the national team has a lot of a, a, a different type of play and actually adds much more offense when he plays for the swiss national team and i think we saw a glimpse mm-hmm. of that with that shot that that this is something that he does more regularly on the national team and i wish he would you know, unleash this more for for Arsenal because it's great because he obviously has this in his back pocket. And I think it's just getting the confident. And you saw with that celebration that I think he, Jacques is finally feeling integrated back in with the team and back in even with the fan base to a certain extent, much more so than, you know, having his bags, packs and his passport ready to go to leave the team after that unfortunate incident. Yeah, I... I, I agree that 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 celebration was it was it was so joyful to watch i mean his his connection with uh um lacazette he went he slid right over lacazette was right there to to celebrate with him every player was just so happy for him um cedric of course there right in the center of everything as he always is on every goal celebration (laughs) and uh there, Cedric just made me laugh because he 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 gave the most tender looking hug. He put his arms around everybody, put rested his head on somebody's back, and just closed his eyes, and he just looked so happy. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! I didn't notice that. Uh, yeah, you you'll have to watch that. Just watch that celebration again. Cedric just looks like like a little child, just <laughs> wrapped up. It, it was. <laughs> It's pretty good. He's he's always right in the middle of every all these celebrations, but this one just it, for some reason him, him just closing his eyes. It just looked like he it was he was just feeling the love of the moment, and uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think there was a uh, there was a lot of love in that celebration. I think you know from all the reports, Jaka is extremely popular in the locker room. I know we talked about it before. One of the reasons we uh, Arteta held on to him was that his locker room presence was uh, was important to the team. And I think that uh, over the last few months, even if his play hasn't, you know, dramatically improved, it's still been, you know, the best we've seen him from it in a while. And I think just time healing some of these wounds that they have with the fans, I think people are willing just to forget. And I think it's a great story arc. And, you know, if he moves on from us next uh, offseason, it'll be, I think people will have fond feelings of him more so than if he had moved on you know, a year or so. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's, if he chose to leave, he would be leaving on a high note, uh, especially if we were able to um, get back into champions league. I mean, I know it would be, I I would have a hard time seeing him wanting to leave. If we had gotten back into champions league, I think after putting in uh, years of work to try to get this team back to where it should be, uh, it would be hard to leave once they finally got there. So I, I, I don't know where things will land with Shaka. I think he is an asset to this team, and I feel weird saying that because I've definitely been hard on him in, in at times in the past. But I think where where this team stands right now, he is uh, a player that we need. And even if we sign reinforcements in the midfield, I just I, I he 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 is captain like even if he doesn't have the armband, and so. You just need those sorts of players in the locker room. 
I feel the same way about um, El Neni to this, this, a certain extent as well. Like, I don't think he's captain material, but he's just that sort of leader and team player that you just want to have around. So hopefully those players are um, continue to be building blocks that we can use and rely upon, even if we are able to upgrade a little bit on on that position. I think we we need depth and we need leadership and so those those sorts of things are hard to go out and buy and especially players who seemingly love this team i think that you you want to try to keep those those sorts of players around as long as possible yeah and, and i think with el nenny more so than jaka while he's not the best player in the world el nenny he is a safe pair of hands in when you need a backup i think i don't think when he's in the midfield like oh god we're screwed this is a disaster waiting to happen i think he's a you know a very solid deputy whether he's satisfied with playing that role is is another question but i i'm happy to have him on our squad for the times like this when our you know our starting center backs might not be be available right yeah i think it's our center midfield i should say yeah, it's it's interesting to think about the future where we need to upgrade, we need to add depth, we need to prepare for a potential run at Champions League or even getting back into Europa League. It changes the dynamics of the team a bit when you have more players to rotate and more um more talent in the team potentially. Uh so you have you have a lot more egos to juggle. You have just a, a lot more things to think about. And so it will be interesting to see how this team develops in the off season. And, uh, you know, we, we, we continue to see rumors of different strikers and midfielders and, th- and, and players that are being linked to, to Arsenal. But uh, it's key. I think that Arteta continues to keep this, uh, team chemistry at the front of his mind because the, that it, at the end of the day is the most important thing is finding players of the right profile that really uh, you know encapsulate what it means to be an Arsenal player and, and, and not not find players that are going to rock the boat or disrupt things and I think Arteta's got a good he's got his finger on the pulse of what it means to be a part of this team and he's he's been uh, unafraid to cut loose some players that detract from that. So I think he's going to be very cognizant of, of bringing in the right, right sort of players uh, going forward as well. And considering the players that he was able to bring in this last off season, I have no doubt that he's going to be um, really good at identifying the next, next two or three players that we sign uh, coming up to really round out this team and take it to the next level. Definitely. All right. Uh, so that was that was a, a beautiful three-one win over Manu, which, yes. you know, going into the weekend put us tied with uh, with uh, Tottenham, and <laughs> lo and behold, they they drop a couple points in their game, and uh, I don't like to put too much uh, into this. Uh, 538 chart but i look at it after our our games 
And, uh, you know, <laughs> 66% chance of qualifying for Champions League over Tottenham's 34% chance had me feeling pretty good. Um, even though that's no guarantee yeah. and things can change quickly if you lose games. But uh, I I like our odds. I, I like I like the odds going forward. Yeah, I mean, I think really what it comes down to is it's just the, the game at White Hart Lane is just going to be so huge and massive. I think that's the decider for, for, for the season. And I think, uh, you know, there'll be other bumps, there'll be other games, there'll be other highs and lows, but you know, I, I just can't look past that Tottenham game as deciding, you know, fourth place and, you know, where this team sits at the end of the season. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, uh, it's, that game is going to be, just epic i i i don't know how else to put it 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 is i i don't know if i'm gonna be happy or or upset that that game got postponed and uh it it is going to probably be the marquee game of the season for the premier league to be honest i mean i Mm -hmm. i know it's going to be it's going to come down to the wire for um liverpool and man city but they, you know, they don't have, um, I, I don't think they play each other between now and the end of the season, right? No, they just, they just finished. I think they've played like four games in a row. I think they might have like a possibility of meeting. Oh, they have a possibility of meeting the champions league, but as far as in no, a premier, premier league, league they don't have a chance to meet. Yeah. So, but, uh, you know, it's there. There is no bigger game as far as the Premier League goes um, between now and the end of the season, and so I, I, I think that is the, the, the uh, date we have to circle. Obviously, any North London derby is going to be a, a a big game, but I, at that point, I think we we will know whether we've gotten fourth place or not. I mean, at at if that six point swing will really tell us where things stand, and uh, I don't think Tottenham's going to be able to recover at that point. So, yeah, I mean, I think uh, it is just it, it's been so long since we've had a meaningful North London derby. That, I mean, all North London derbies are uh, important, but uh, this one, it's. It, it's just felt so long since they, the, the, the result actually matters in a, in a meaningful way more than just, you know, bragging rights. And so it's, it, it's going to be emotional and, you know, we're, we, we haven't been used to this type, type of stakes for quite some time. So it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to, to, to watch that. That's a game I probably will try and wake up for and watch and maybe even find a place that, uh, I can show it or watch it at. Well, I hope you wake up by 1145 AM. <laughs> Uh, yes and no. It depends on what day of the week is uh, it. Let's see, May twelfth. Uh, I don't know what day that is, but I believe that's a weekend day. Uh, I mean, those are my my weekday ga- days, and I'm usually up till about three o'clock in the <laughs> evening or in the morning for work. So okay, so that might be a little <laughs> more challenging for you. Yeah, but I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. We do have a couple games between now and then. Uh, most importantly a game against West Ham coming up on Sunday and they are in a interesting situation they have 
pretty much zero healthy center backs or available center backs, I should say, because uh, they had one get a red card and the other ones were already uh, injured. So I'm not sure how they're going to line up against us, especially considering they are also in the midst of uh, Europa League semifinal with uh, Frankfurt. So they play the first leg of that on Thursday, play us on Sunday, and then they have their follow-up leg of that, I think, the following Thursday. So, yeah, they are probably... I I would imagine they're going to put all their eggs in that basket, um, seeing as how they are... Um, kind of on the outside looking in in seventh place right now in the Premier League. So they they are probably more likely to prioritize the Europa League at this point in the season. And that bodes well for Arsenal, but I do not want to count those chickens before they hatch. Yeah, and I was uh, I actually was watching the uh, the their last game Liverpool against uh, Liverpool, and while they lost that game, they didn't look horrible while losing that game. It was a pretty close game. They had their chances. Liverpool, you know, dominated in some 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 of the areas, but uh, it was you know closer than I would think. And I think they could run Arsenal. Uh, close, but as you said, with those Europa leagues and you know Frankfurt, it, that Frankfurt game is going to be an amazing game. I definitely, I'm definitely going to be tuning into that game to watch uh, because it's Frankfurt's going to be a tough game. And if with this game in between, you can definitely see some of those West Ham players looking past this game for to a large extent. Yeah, I imagine they're going to rotate pretty heavily to try to stay fresh for the 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 two legs of that game. And uh, I, I don't think Arsenal should take this game lightly by any means. You never, you never really can in the premier league, but uh, it is not the, it is not the challenging game. I thought it would be at this point in the season. Um, so I think that it bodes well, for, it bodes well for Arsenal to, to get some points and every three points is huge at this, this, uh, time of the season so we you know every game is important every game is huge and getting three points pretty much for the rest of the five games of the season is going to be make or break for for arsenal and uh i don't think any of them are easy look at Leeds the following the following week and you know they're going to be they're going to be battling to make sure they don't fall into the relegation zone. I think they are, they've got a good five point cushion, but you know, a couple losses and they could be, uh, right in that mix again themselves. So I think they, you know, Leeds had some tough games ahead. They've got to play. Uh, I think they have man city and us and, uh, Chelsea or maybe perhaps Liverpool. I think they were playing three of the four top teams um, before now in the end of the season. So I think Leeds is just going to come out swinging. They have to. And, uh, it, it you know, n- none of these games are going to be easy. I think everybody's got something to play for at this point. And, uh, if not, they're going to try to play, play the, uh, the upset and, and, uh, Arsenal just got to battle through. That's, that's what it comes down to is just pushing through and, and getting as many points as possible in between now and, and, the Everton game at the end of the season here. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think more than anything, those uh, you mentioned it earlier, but the you know losing those three games in a row just has eliminated any you know wiggle room that we had. That these the games now all you know you I think must win gets used a lot, but all these games are very important, and that you need to maximize the points that you get out of all these games because we don't have any more uh, wiggle room. We don't have the same you know luxury of having so many games in hand and all that stuff that you know. We we just we need the points. We need we need wins really to keep up with everybody else as well. Yeah, it, it's 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 all about getting getting as many points as possible, and I I don't want it to have to come down to the the Tottenham game. I'd love for that. I'd love to get a couple wins between now and then, and then have Tottenham drop some more points, and that that would really take a lot of pressure off going into that game. And I think that would do everybody some good to release some of the pressure. I mean, if, if we, uh, um, if we have continue to maintain our two point cushion above Tottenham and we go into that game with that intact, I think we're going to be feeling pretty good. So, um, it, it is in our hands. It's our, 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 we have control over our own destiny and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. But I think this team is, uh, it's not going to bow to pressure. I think they're going to, they're going to figure it out and they, they know that they can beat the, some of the best teams in the league. So everything else should hopefully be a little easier at this point. Definitely. I think, uh, you know, these, these last two wins have given a lot more confident, you know, we saw it with, uh, and Katia giving some of these players who have had, you know, some difficult times, a little bit more confidence as well. All right. Anything else we want to say about the team or anything else before we, we sign off this week? No, I think it's a, a good time to sign off. That's our usual hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> so. We our our natural clock has kicked in saying it's time to go. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll we'll be back after this uh, West Ham game. So we'll talk more about that next week, and hopefully we'll have positive things positive things to talk about yet again because that's way more fun than than talking about losses. So uh, yes. come, come on, Gunners, let's do this thing and get the points because it's it's just more fun for everybody. I, I want to keep riding this wave. Yeah. It's it's it, it is way more fun to be positive about this team than. Um, you know, we've had, we've had some rough, rough years. We've had some rough games. I just, I'm really just gunning for that, that elation that's going to come when we finish in the top four once again. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to speak too confidently, but I, I feel like this, this team can do it. It is, it is very possible for this, this group of young kids to actually make this happen. So they just have to do the work and, and see it through at this point. Definitely. All right. Let's call it a day. Thank you all for listening and joining us once again. If you have not reviewed or subscribed to this podcast, wherever you're listening to it right now, take a couple moments. It would really help us a lot. Uh, and if you aren't following us on Twitter, you can do so by going to at W of N London. We have an email address at West of North London at gmail.com. Uh, voicemail is can be sent to anchor.fm slash west of north london slash message we have a discord which you can find in our show notes 
And uh, I just want to invite y'all to send us some feedback, send us some love, send us some questions, take a few moments. We would love to hear from all of you. And uh, it, it doesn't take too long to get involved and, and be part of the show. So just just take take a little bit of time this week. If you think of a question, send it our way. Or if you just want to give us some feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, theme song from Bobcat. Their album, No Course to Follow, can be found at bobc.at. Find that and much more at that website. So that's it for us this week. And as always, see you at the next gun show.